0: Welcome to Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, army ranger, real estate investor, and income enthusiast. On this show, we uncover the keys to attaining financial freedom. There are so many people listening right now who are stuck in that day-to-day, nine-to-five rat race. Luckily, it's only temporary. Each week, we bring on guests that help us discover the steps to build financial freedom, passive income, and generational wealth so we can live the life we were born to live. Money is freedom. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, and today's guest is Ruben Gregg. Ruben, welcome to Wealth Science, brother. What's going on?
1: What's up, Jesse Fuchsia? Dude, (laughs) stoked to be on your show, man. Dude, I'm I'm pumped to
0: have you, dude. I'm a huge fan of your show, The Capital Raising <laughs> Show. It's an awesome, awesome show and you add so much value. It, I'm, I'm pumped to have you, dude. I mean, the energy you bring to the interview is like nothing Hilarious. other that I've ever seen, dude. So I'm just <laughs> pumped to... Uh, be chatting with you today and, and add value to some people, you know, listening out there. Listen, dude, I'm not crazy about doing intros for guests and stuff like that. I mean, nobody can tell the story, uh, you know, better than the person themselves, I think. So, dude, I'd love for you just to just take a couple minutes and walk us through your story for the audience's uh, situation awareness.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll run it through pretty quick. My dad was a real estate investor and he said, you know, before he passed, I made all my money in real estate, not as a doctor, not as a politician, not as a military corporal. And that seed was planted in me pretty deep. And then when I graduated college, got into mortgages, and then from there, realized that that wasn't going to help me get into real estate whatsoever. So I, I found a local real estate group. They had a class on multifamily. I started a meetup and this dude came into town. He was purchasing a fourplex, seemed like every other week. And yet he had a bankruptcy. And I was like, how do you do this? he's like, oh, so I raised capital for this. And he wasn't a marketing expert and still nonetheless was taking down units like on a weekly basis, it seemed like. So I'm like, hey, dude, can I just follow you around and videotape you? Maybe I can create some connections, do some marketing for you and we can raise some capital. And sure enough, like over a period of nine to 12 months after shooting a variety of videos that talked about creating generational wealth and how at this particular time, it was during the crash. And we were very stuck on the mindset that this was going to be the biggest transfer of wealth in the history of our lives. And honestly, like people that invested during 2009 in Phoenix, like have doubled or tripled their portfolio value. And sure enough, you know, like by sharing this message to people, we raised about $600,000. So I should say the share that I brought was about that. And then I eventually split off with him, took off down to Mexico because I could not stand being behind a desk. You know, I had been kind of sent back to corporate America, went down there, eventually came back, knew that I wanted to get into multifamily again. And all I knew was fourplexes. So I came up with this plan to buy a fourplex, double my portfolio five times, end up with 32 fourplexes or 128 units. And I would be done, right? And I shared this plan. It was a very methodical plan with somebody. And they're just like, why don't you just take 128 units down right now? And I was like, what? I don't know how to do that. Like, how does that, that doesn't even make sense. Like, I can't go from zero units to 128 units. And they're like, yes, you can. It's called syndication. It's a team sport. You don't have to do it all by yourself. Don't be stuck in this limited mindset that you have to do everything by yourself. And so I... Hooked up with a local mom-and-pop syndicator that was doing a bunch of heavy-lift multifamily properties here in Tucson and in Sierra Vista and some other places around Arizona. Um, started a show to bring them national exposure from that show, which is called the Capital Raiser Show. I met a bunch of capital raisers and a bunch of sponsors and made a bunch of connections. So I'm really excited for you, Jesse that you're about to go on and embark on this journey, which is, cap, which is, you know, being a podcast host, you're going to make some connections that are going to end up being your business partners. But in this process of becoming a podcast host, I interviewed some attorneys and was like, how do I take these capital raisers and how do I take these sponsors and make money by connecting and facilitating a relationship between the two? And the overwhelming response was, you need to start your own fund. So eventually, I quit that company to go launch my fund when somebody named Andy McMullen came up to me and was just like, Hey, instead of starting your own fund and paying $15,000 to start this and then starting from scratch with nobody, with no track record, why don't you just come work with me? Help me with the automations, the marketing, the national exposure, the branding, the rebranding. And we can take this, we can use your skill set and my skill set, which is a bunch of capital raising uh, the old school way and then form a company and a a union that can really make an impact in the world. And so I joined him and now we have a company called Legacy Acquisitions that does a bunch of really cool stuff. We raise capital for other sponsors and we also are sponsors for a built-to-rent project. That's gonna be kind of our, our, our ground up first trial in the development arena but our build to rent is really run like a multifamily where we take a bunch of individual units instead of you know like vertically built units that are 10 units on top of 10 units on top of 10 units we're we're individually building all these cottages or townhomes that we can rent out and then sell to an institutional buyer and then we also, like I mentioned, raise capital for other specific sponsors in Texas and some other places. So this is kind of my really quick version of how I got to where I am. It happened very quickly. It feels like I'm still a rookie and I don't know what I'm doing, but I do study capital raising on a regular basis with, with my show and all the great sponsors that I have on there. And you know that's kind of my thing.
0: Yeah, dude. I mean, this story—I I love hearing it. And I'm just trying to picture a guy with your level of energy sitting behind a desk <laughs> in corporate. No, America. it doesn't work. Yeah, man. It's like it's like it, it does not add up when I when I look at you as a person and, and trying to put it all together. So I I just think that's so incredible. You know, I'm curious when you're getting ready to kind of in that in the first time when you're leaving your W-2, you take that year off to go to Mexico. You know, I'm I'm curious. I mean, what what were those kind of limiting beliefs, or were those any fears in the back of your head when you're we're getting ready to leave corporate America and leave that, you know, that W 2 job. I'm curious, brother.
1: Yeah, man. So, real estate is a business that requires adaptation, evolution, and pivoting. And when I split up with my partner, I was not able to do any of that stuff. I had really focused on marketing for somebody else. And since I didn't have the skill set, Or at least what I thought was the skill set, and certainly not the track record of my own to go and raise capital for my own stuff. And since the limiting belief that I had was that multifamily partners they don't grow on trees, I was like, ah, dude, I just lost out on my opportunity. I don't know how I'm ever going to find another partner that's as good as this dude. And this guy was just taking down fourplexes. Now, like my partners are taking down 100 units, 150 unit type properties. Um, but what I realized was that multifamily partners actually do grow on trees. They're abundant. They're everybody. If you listen to anybody's podcast at the end of the show, they always give their contact information and they want to be reached out to by you. And if you make enough connections with these people through your show or just reaching out to them, if you don't have your show, if you talk to enough of them, some of them will want to do business with you. And, this is this is the, the the mindset that I had to kind of go through. Um, when I went to Mexico, I had been kicked in the teeth a little bit, you know, because I didn't know how to do real estate on my own. And ended up behind a desk, couldn't handle it. So I quit, went down into Mexico and did a lot of self-reflection. I know that you like to talk about affirmations and meditation and you know, educating and nurturing your mind to the point where it can help you. And I was doing a lot of that down there, kind of soul searching, trying to figure out what am what am I going to do? What am I going to attract? You know, like, why did this happen to me? And I didn't realize that things happen for you, not to you. And this re- relationship that ended with my real estate partner really allowed me to kind of focus on attracting a woman in my life. And I was meditating and and reading my own declaration statement saying, this is the person that I want. This is what I want to create in real estate. This is what I want to do. And I had a lot of free time because I was just camping on the beach with my dogs all over the place. And I ended up meeting this woman in Acapulco that when I eventually ended up getting together with her really inspired me to get back into real estate, and I can credit her with the with the fact that I am back in real estate because when I came back to the U.S., I tried to sell houses and that didn't work, so it sucked. And then I started a furniture business, which was which was fun and lucrative, but I didn't really feel like I was contributing to the world at the level that I could, and because. I ended up getting married to this particular woman who was also mindset and spiritually oriented. It inspired me to get back into real estate. And from that inspiration, I found a local mom and pop syndicator, and that led me to becoming a fund manager today. But all of that is based off of the fact that this relationship with my previous partner, you know, once we broke up, it was set up in such a way so that I could, hey, you you know, there's the, lo- the law of the first deal, right? Once you do one deal, you can do them again. And I just needed that support system, that woman in my life, that inspiration that would allow me to go and chase after my dreams because now it's just not about me and what I want. It's like, hey, I can do something that will take care of my family and my wife. And all of these things that I really want to create for myself, which a lot of multifamily investors want, right? So that's, I'll, I'll leave it at that and kind of let you ask my <laughs> Dude, that
0: was, dude, that's, I mean, I love this story and how how powerful and incredible and inspiring it is. I mean, I I, w- I just want to key in on that, like that abundant mindset of like, it's easy, you know, when something goes wrong to think like, man, I'm never going to get another opportunity. Yeah, but it's like-
1: I felt that way.
0: Dude, it's it's like- man, when, when one opportunity you know, maybe falls through or goes south or whatever, dude, it's like, in my mind, it's like, hey, there's 10 more opportunities out there. There's 10 more deals that can come up, dude. But I, I just love that abundance mindset that you had in that situation. I think it was super powerful to your success. I mean, I'm, I'm curious, anything to add in regards to that?
1: If I hadn't broke up with my partner and ended up back in corporate America and been so frustrated that I quit and left to go to Mexico... I would have never met my wife, which is now, you know, the primary reason that I'm inspired to go out and create things for myself. So at the time it sucked, right? Like I couldn't adapt, pivot, evolve. And I was like, oh, I suck at real estate. You know, let me go hide under a tree and then, you know, dive down into Mexico. But fortunately I spent some time doing some meditation and really kind of trying to attract this particular person. But I think the main point that I really want to make is that when something happens to you, particularly like this is one of the best ones. If you get fired from your job, you're like crushed, but then it's like the universe does things for you for your behalf, on your behalf and conspires for you to create things and opens up new doors, just like you said. And if I had never really been kicked in the teeth and gone down into Mexico, I would have never met my wife. So when something crazy happens to you, it may be hard in that moment, but realize that it's for your benefit. And if you can really buy into this abundance mindset that the universe may kind of put obstacles in your way so that you can conquer them and then use them to your benefit, this is something that can really help you scale and move into wherever you know life's plans or God's plans or your co-created plans what will essentially want to take you and drive you.
0: Dude. Yeah. I mean, it's like, everything happens for a reason, but even in in, in deals that I've personally looked at and it's like, man, this is the deal. This is the deal that's meant for me. And it's like, and then it completely goes south or we get outbid immediately or whatever, dude. And it's like, it's so easy to be like, we're never going to find another deal, but it's like, no, there's a hundred other deals out there. Like this is not the end of the world. And you look at the positives from it. It's like, man, I learned so much underwriting this deal. And I learned so much, about you know why this deal was a great deal and what we loved about it. So I just love that mindset that you have, and I you know recommend to anyone to embrace that abundance. You, you know I'm yeah I'm I'm curious in what your thoughts are on this piece. I mean obviously when you come back from Mexico, you know you're ready to jump back into multifamily real estate, um, and you've already talked about so many important things. The power of scale. You know your original partner was just doing four plexes, and now you're partnering with people doing 100 unit deals. I mean what what are other reasons? Why do you think other reasons are, you know, multifamily real estate is so powerful, you know, just beyond the level of scale and stuff like that? I'm curious.
1: Yeah. So, one of my favorite questions to ask people is why do you, what's your favorite aspect of multifamily? And I get a variety of answers that are a lot of the ones that I like, right? So, the ability to cash flow, the ability to get major tax benefits through cost segregation, the ability to have all your units in one place, the scalability you know, the ability to raise money with other partners, help them get you to bigger and better places. These are just some of the the little benefits, right? And and then kind of one of the things that we want to break down in in future educational webinars is like, what are the different types of multifamily? You know, in addition to recession resistance, like why does it make sense to get into a heavy lift? Why does it make sense to get into a, multifamily value add versus a development versus a build to rent, you know, scaling vertically versus horizontally through building a bunch of houses instead of units built on top of units built on top of units. Like in what cases do you get cash flow from day one? In what cases do you get a bigger back-end return? And like, how is this different than other investment opportunities Because a lot of people are really confused and going through life blindly. Hey, I need to invest in my 401k and I'm tired of dealing with this roller coaster ride, which is the stock market. And I don't really know anybody that's in Bitcoin. I'm not educated on cryptocurrency. I don't know much about silver or gold or bonds. There's just no way for me to create the generational wealth that I need in order for me to retire on a beach and take care of my kids, spend time with them and get out of my business, perhaps, and scale into becoming a person that has financial freedom and multifamily. What I really love best about it is that it gives you the opportunity to do this at a quicker scale than anything else that I've seen. And when you invest in it, there's a very strong likelihood that it's going to be worth exactly as much as it today. Or when you force the appreciation and go through cycles, real estate cycles, it's going to continue to hold its value because it's not based on the neighboring properties. It's based on the amount of income that it generates. It's appraised like a business, not like a neighboring real estate house. So this, is, these are all aspects that I really love about multifamily. I could go on and on. I am crazy about the fact that this, for me, is the best asset class that you can invest in.
0: Yeah, I mean, you hit on so many awesome points. And I, I love talking to people about, you know, the power of, of scale. I mean, what you talked about, the volatility of the stock market and, and cryptocurrency. I mean, I don't think people understand how powerful, you know, multifamily commercial real estate that it's a hard asset. You can drive to ABC Avenue and and yeah. you know, see the apartment building and yeah. see it improving. And it's it. like Dude, like, uh, you know, if you have whatever, a million dollars in Apple stock, you you have no idea what Apple's going to do or or whoever, dude. I mean, you have no control over it. We're a hard asset. You have total control over it.
1: Somebody smokes some weed on a podcast and all of a sudden the stock goes down by like 50%.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the volatility. You just can't predict it. But I mean, those are all awesome notes, dude. I mean, it's so true
1: yeah, with multifamily, it's not going to have that kind of crazy cycle when you compare it to other types of real estate, particularly single family real estate that is really affected by the economy and loans and all these other kinds of things. One thing that I really like about multifamily is that it's going to continue to scale and there's going to be a need for it because there's a shortage of workforce and regular housing. So And then because of like all of the millennials, they need a place to go. And if they don't want to buy their own home, they're going to end up, or even like senior citizens that like don't want to go into assisted living, they need to scale down and move into an apartment. And there's just not enough apartments. And that's why rents are going up like crazy all over the country, particularly in markets like Phoenix and Dallas and places where there's no rent control. They're just making it so powerful for an investor to come in and they don't have to do it themselves they don't have to deal with tenants toilets termites putting in baseboards cabinets and rehabbing and all that stuff they can just put their money in with an investor and then if they trust them enough let them be a good steward for their money and allow them to double their money in a very fast you know kind of way that is really not available to any type of investor and then there's other asset classes right so i know that you're like into uh, mobile home parks, RV parks, self-storage. There's um, there's a variety of different ways. You know, A lot of m- money is moving away from retail and other types of commercial, industrial because of the volatility that happens when something like the pandemic shows up. And they really want to put their money in something that's really recession-resistant that will continue to increase. And for all the reasons that I've previously mentioned, multifamily, or even something that's that's like mobile home parks or RV parks is a great great asset class for them to invest in because it's just going to continue to scale.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree, you know, wholeheartedly. There's always going to be a demand. People are always going to need a place to live, and especially when there is a a massive, you know, workforce ho- housing shortage or what we talked about in the mobile home park space, you know, affordable housing. It's like, man, there's an affordable housing shortage for people out there. It's like. You know, this is a great asset to invest in. People are always gonna to need to live there. And what's gonna happen is exactly what you're talking about. The rents are just gonna keep going up and up and up. And really, you're gonna see investors just getting better and better returns year after year. So it's it's so powerful. I, I I kind of wanted to switch this conversation a little bit back to maybe the capital raising piece and and what you talked about in your intro and how powerful, you know, you've always had that knack for marketing, Ruben. And, and it kind of like kickstarted started your, your capital raising piece and really drove you into that. Space like I'm curious. I mean, your overall thoughts on marketing, and especially like leveraging things like social media and stuff like that. You know, what advice do you have for people out there that are, are looking to use social media or, or something, you know, along those lines to kind of kickstart their marketing campaign? I mean, any overall thoughts, thoughts or anything like that, dude?
1: Yeah, I mean, plenty. Like if we talk about it every day on the show. I asked Neil Bawa, hey, what's the best marketing tool, system, thing that you can? really focus on to get your capital raising really going. And he's like, there, that's the wrong mindset, dude. Like there's, you have to be in multiple places and get multiple touch points. So there's not any one thing like people need to see you at a meetup, at a conference, on a podcast, on social media, and then get social proof and then get email marketing and really consistent communication from you. And when all of these touch points get hit on, That makes people trust you, that you're going to be consistent, that they can find you in multiple places, that you're well-known and you're not going to disappear in the middle of a capital raise with somebody's money, but that you are a consistent force that has the ability to be a good steward of their money and going to be available to communicate with them. Because a lot of people, when you ask them, hey, are you going to reinvest with this particular sponsor? If they say no, the reason typically is not because they didn't make money. It's because their experience sucked. Somebody's got $50,000 of your money and they don't hear from you for six months. They don't know what's going on with the project. They can't log into some portal and, under- and see what are the updates and they leave because it makes them sick. Their money, their nest egg, people that have worked really hard for this no longer have access to see what's going on with their money. And it's just a, a nightmare. So most people that get retention from their customers, they really have this communication dialed in where they're constantly sending updates. And even if people don't open the email, they see that an email is coming through. And then, you know, like when we're talking about capital raising, what's the, what's the feeling they get when they go to your website or their opening your email is it you know a feeling that's comfortable do they want to be your friend from this kind of thing or is it just like cheesy stuff is it that you're only getting communicated when you have a deal all of these things really kind of have a big impact on your ability to raise capital in the future and cuz you can't raise money from people today that you haven't talked to and really nurtured in the past so this building and nurturing and educating and being consistent is a huge process that the best capital raisers implement, and that's through automations and having good CRM and having a good portal and all of those things that, you know, if you're going to compete with the Joe Fairlesses of the world, you have to do something that's at that level. And most people, you know, I think they, they're they like, they're running a multifamily, you know, a, a million dollar business or multi-million dollar business, and they're not treating it as such they're not investing in their own marketing. They're not investing in their own campaigns or outsourcing that they're just, oh, we'll just make money and you know give it back to them. And hopefully they'll come back because our deals are so good. And that's really not the case.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it comes, it really comes a lot back to like, in in my opinion, like the authenticity of like, Hey, you know, we're not just trying to make money here. We're trying to create an experience and help you, you know, the investor attain your vision of financial freedom. You know, this is, you hit it, you hit the nail on the head in the beginning. Syndication is a team sport. You know, not just on the general partnership side, but on the limited partnership side. You know, we want to help you, um, you know, attain your dream. And I, I just love that mentality that you bring up, and I think it's so true, dude. And then what you said about creating repeat investors—I mean, keeping those communication, that communication just flat honest you know I, you know I'm curious your thoughts too I mean when is, and I'm sure you've been in this situation or maybe you know of someone that's been in this situation like hey something goes wrong at the property and like we have to tell the investors like hey we you know we had a bad quarter this month um whatever you know vacancy shot up or we had a fire or there was an issue or something like that like I'm curious I mean breaking bad news to investors and stuff like that I mean any thoughts or do you have a personal experience in regards to that?
1: not in the multifamily syndication space. You just got to be honest and let the investors know what's going on. Hey, something happened here. You know, there was a, a storm that knocked off the roof and water creeped into one of the units. And then that flooded and went into the lower unit and we had to fix some things. And this is the reason why the distribution went down, for, you know, 20% last month. But it doesn't really mean that you're not going to continue to get you know, the projected return over this period of time, things happen here. And when you're honest and open and communicative, regardless of what's happening, people really appreciate they can understand that. And that kind of makes them feel even more comfortable the fact that they're not just kind of being, you know, swept under the rug or, you know, forgotten about. But that this is a big part, you know, the, the whole communication from every aspect of it is what will get people to re- you know, to come back with you and be able to retain, you know, you know, if, as from a operator's perspective, create this ability to retain investors and do deals with them over and over and over again.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. And I, I think I, you know, you and I both take that job of being a capital raiser so seriously, because like what you said, dude, like these people have worked their lives for this money and they're entrusting it with you. Like that is a big, big, big deal. And it's like, you know, I want to be a hundred percent certain that, you know, this plan is going to work and that we're, we're going to meet, you know, John Smith or Jane Doe's criteria and, and that this is going to work out well, because I I think that level of trust is so key, dude. It just cannot be uh, undermined or undertaken or taken, you know, lightly is what I'm trying to say, dude. It's so, it's so powerful. And I think that that job of being a capital raiser is so important. And, and maybe there are some people, and I'm sure there are unfortunately that take it, you know, maybe not so seriously that, oh yeah, Jane, Jane and John are giving me their, you know, fifty thousand dollars and I'm gonna double and I'll talk to them in like two years when I have another deal. But I mean, I I know you're big on this, and so am I. You know, building those authentic relationships with investors is so key. And and not just talking to them when you have a deal, talk, you know, shooting them a note on their birthday, dude, or or you know, when their child graduated or something like that, or shooting them a gift after they've had a conversation with you. I mean, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Active, really building that authentic you know relationship.
1: if you talk to 10 passive investors in deals and ask them how many times have you received either a letter a thank you note some kind of a gift almost guaranteed it's going to be like the into the 10 to 15 percent range right so when you go above and beyond you know you take your investors out to dinner you put them on the top story of a high-rise building and celebrate the win, and you know send them a book a thank you card some brownies anything it's very it's so rare in this industry that that makes you stand out and makes people want to reinvest with you and it's it's absolutely crucial
0: yeah. I mean, it's just going that extra 10% and it's so easy to do it. It takes you 30 seconds to whatever, grab a small card from the dollar store and handwrite something out and mail it to them. I mean, it's literally, it, it's so easy to do, but it's unfortunate that so many people don't do it, but it, it, it goes such a long way in really building that authentic relationship. And it's just doing that little extra that's going to make you stand out. And people underestimate that, dude. I, I, and you you hit on something else that I just want to follow up on. I think it's so crucial and it's this mentality, and I'm curious what you think, you know, the, how people buy on emotion and justify with logic. And you're talking about the email, dude. And, you know, when people open up your email, do they, you know, feel welcome and do they feel warm um, and, and stuff like that? Like, and I know you've had an awesome episode on your podcast. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the guest name right now, but who who... She designs her website, and it's really formulated to, uh, you know, to help people buy an emotion and, and supports people emotional needs and stuff like that. But I'm curious your thoughts on this, dude. I mean, people buying on emotion, justifying with logic when it comes to, you know, raising capital and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, you're probably talking about Annie Dickerson. We did a series called the Raising Money Minute. We actually have covered emotional versus logical investing uh, with a number of guests on this show, and what a lot of you know, it, it's not just webinars. But like what a lot of people do on their website and on their webinars is they have pictures of buildings. They have pictures of graphs, hypotheticals. They're talking about the logic, what they're going to get, what's the return going to be. And they're really not tapping into the emotional needs of the investor. And their branding is not tapping into the emotional needs. It's like pictures of buildings. It's not pictures of time, freedom, hanging out with your kids, and things that people really resonate with because nobody's going to buy a building cuz they love buildings they're going to invest with you or invest in a multifamily deal because of what they get from investing and that may be you know being able to put their kids in ch- in college or having the ability to instead of sending their parents to an assisted living having that time freedom to take care of them it could be so many different things you know the ability to escape your w2 and avoid the roller coaster that's that's you know wall street and go and spend time on a beach and hang out with your kids and experience life the way that you were designed to by god's plan and when when you are basically talking about graphs buildings numericals hypotheticals things that you're going to get that's all logic and a lot of people really don't tap into the fact that People have emotional requirements. And, you know, this is why this, if you've ever heard Donald Miller talk about the story brand script where you take a person, you make them the hero, and then you present yourself as a guide, you address their villain, and then basically give them a plan to succeed and then conquer and end up in success. This is a story brand script. That really follows a lot of the way that stories have been told, movies are scripted this way, soap operas, you know, all kinds of shows, because it's such a powerful way where you're not the hero, you're making somebody that invests with you the hero and helping them create the generational wealth and all of the things that they need. And most people just are not willing to spend that extra time to understand story brand or come from an emotional. Or even psychologically based approach to help people get things and do things for their own reasons instead of your reasons.
0: Dude, that that is awesome. And I, I love that. And I'm gonna look that up after this. And and just to recap, dude, the Annie Dickinson episode is incredible. I highly recommend anyone go and check it out on the Capital Razor show. It's so it's so awesome. And you're right. You talk about uh Logic and, and emotion based investing in so many of your episodes, but I love that mentality, dude. And, and we've talked about it so much. It's it's helping. It's helping the the investor, whoever you're, trying to help them attain their goals. You know what I mean? Attain their dream. It, like when you go at it with the mentality of, well, I'm in the syndication, you know, from the general partner side. Well, I'm raising capital to make money. It's like, dude, you're you're not going to make it. You need to be in the mentality of helping people and and giving back and and helping and by by helping enough people get what they want You'll get what you want. You know what I mean? And hey, that wasn't me. That was Zig Ziglar. I'm not trying to steal that quote or anything. <laughs> He's the god yes. of those awesome quotes. But, but dude, it's so true. I mean, the Zig quote applies to exactly what you're what you're talking about. As we get ready to wrap up here, dude, I wanted to hit you with one more, you know, overarching thing before we jump into the bonus round and, and talk about something not capital raising related. But and and we've talked about the power of affirmations, dude, and, and mindset and the law of attraction, dude, and how powerful that is. Like I'm, I'm curious in your daily routine now, dude. How does that apply now? I mean, uh, with affirmations and and the law of attraction and mindset, dude. What are you doing in your daily routine, you know, today or or whatever, dude, to kind of implement that to to you know progress yourself further?
1: Yeah, the reality for me is that even though I've done a lot of affirmations and spent time with meditation and really listened to a lot of and read spiritual books, sometimes when I get really crazy about business. My business takes like forefront, right? So that's why the podcast is taking off. That's why my business is taking off. And then these other areas of my life get neglected. My health, I'm not working out. And then I'm not reading. And so I hired a coach actually that I've been working with. And he told me, he's just like, hey man, you're really good at like taking yourself on and doing these challenges for like 30, 60, 90 days. And then after those periods of time are over, you go back to your old ways that are really not helping you Why don't we change this structure of the way that you're doing things? And instead of challenging yourself for short periods of time, let's really focus on the relationship that you have with yourself and really nurturing and caring for yourself and really relating your long-term goals to the fact that it's going to help you create a self-actualized version of yourself. And you're going to be able to go back to the things that have really created success for you in the past and give you that juice and that information and that that nurturing of your own mind and taking care of yourself to the point where you can take care of other people. And so we've been really working on creating a better relationship internally with myself so that I don't go through these kind of yo-yo cycles and then go back to the things that I know really help, which is, you know, picking up a book, Spending some time in the morning, some quiet time, because it's so easy. Like, once you start having success in business, like the first thing you want to do in the morning is let's get this podcast edited out and jump on to like six different phone calls for the day. And then a meeting comes up, and now you have to do a webinar. And all these things get in the way and detract you from doing the things that you know you need to do to take care of yourself, right? All of this, this um, feeding yourself with powerful information. It kind of takes a back seat. And then in the end, this is why success is so crazy. And you go forwards and backwards and up and down and left and right. It's because certain things get out of balance and you need to recalibrate and find your way back to the things that you know, internally, you need to be doing because they've given you success in the past. And that's kind of what I'm going through right now, because I love listening to Wayne Dyer and like reading Hunter Thompson's book and or or anybody's kind of capital raising book and particularly spiritual audio and personal development type stuff and meditating and reading my own self-declaration statement that I wrote out many years ago and that I revisit and rewrite every year. When these things take a back seat, it really kind of makes you unfulfilled in certain areas of your life. And that's kind of what I'm going through right now. So I'm really spending some time with the coach trying to get back in those things because when I'm unfulfilled personally and stuck, it, regardless of if my business is crushing it, it's just like I don't feel like I can manifest. I don't feel like I can attract these things into my life. I don't feel like like, you know, I wake up with these positive thoughts that I need and I get those from reading and nurturing my own mind. And, you know, that's kind of where I'm at, to be completely honest with you. Some of my Daily routines have really taken a back seat to me crushing my business and doing what I can to help this fund really help other people. But at the end of the day, it's not going to be sustainable. And I'm going to go back to kind of sucking if I don't spend time on this. And that's why I kind of want to share this particular, you know, dilemma that I'm going through because other people could potentially relate to the fact that. If you're not doing things, you're not going to feel fulfilled and it's going to affect your personal relationship with yourself and, you know, like your wife and your health and other areas, emotionally, physically, you know, it's not all about 100%. Let's go for financial, even though like we understand this concept that if you work really hard for three to five years in such a way that most W2 employees won't, it'll probably take you to places that other people can't get to. So, But you got to balance it in such a way. And this is what I'm kind of going through right now. And when I say you, I'm actually talking to me because I know that I need to apply these same things to myself. So that's kind of where I'm at.
0: Dude, I mean, so powerful. And I, I love your mentality of like, you know, it it has to start with the mind. Like it is so easy that when you start crushing it, dude, to be like, Hey skip the reading, skip the quiet time, skip the visualization. I'm I'm jumping right into work, dude. And it's like, no, man, that's so important. You've got to block out time on the calendar for that, no matter, you know, how big you're scaling or or whatever, dude. And I tell this to so many, you know, people out there that like it's got to start with the mind. Like so many people want to start with the business and they want to start with the, we got to get this first deal and, and and whatever, dude. But it's like, hey man, back up for a second and start with the mind. You know, what do you really want? What do your affirmations look like? Your visualization, your, you know, what's what's going on in the six inches between your ears, dude. Making sure that's straight before you go down that journey, dude. It's so powerful. But I I, I just love that mentality. And I, I think it's so, it's so true. And, and it happens to me too, dude, when you're getting caught up and you're so busy, and it's like, man, I haven't been reading. I haven't been visualizing. It's like, dude, I can tell in my own life, like things aren't as productive, dude. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent, you feel it, bro. It's so true. Last thing I wanted to hit you with, dude, as we get ready to jump here and here to the bonus round, like none of these questions are real estate related. This stuff's not about wealth, dude. It's really just it's it's Reuben Greth, man. It's just Reuben Greth straight up. Like it or not, whatever you want, dude. Um, The the first thing I wanted to hit you with, dude, and I hit this with a lot of people and I always get super unique answers. And I know, I think yours is going to be the most unique I've ever heard. So I'm pumped. If you could solve any problem in the world, bro, what would it be?
1: So I'm really an animal lover at heart. And I kind of struggle with the fact that like dogs get mistreated that there's there's stuff going on in Africa where there's poaching and people are like literally killing elephants to just remove a piece of their bone from their face so they can sell it. This, this just, it's just, it's kind of crushing to me. So if, if for me, like I, if I could solve one world problem, it would be animal cruelty because it's just, it's very dear to my heart and I just can't, can't handle like, people that do stuff to their dogs or throw them out the window of their puppies, you know, they don't understand that these are literally beings that require a great deal of attention. And when they're not willing to give their attention, they just give up on them and throw them into a shelter. And then they end up dying. And, and, you know, even on a worst case, people care so little about animals to the point where they murder them to take pieces of their, you know, their features away to sell. Right. So, I mean, like you you even heard about it about in Japan, like where people, will just cut the shark fin off and let an animal die underwater because they just want that one little piece of them that they could sell as a delicacy. That stuff drives me crazy. It's just like, it hurts.
0: Dude, that is, that is powerful. I know. I can't remember if you have four or five dogs.
1: I have four German shepherds in the room with me right now, all at peace because we need each other.
0: Really like. <laughs> dude that is awesome. I I'm, I'm curious, dude do they know just to be chill during the podcast or is it always Are they always in the room when you're recording for your own show?
1: So, since I put my studio back into my spare bedroom, they're always in here and for the most part they're always chill unless there's somebody knocking at the door. You know, they just they're at peace, you know, and I'm at peace when I'm with them. That's why like when I go travel to Mexico, I need to have them there because I feel like I can get through the Fed rallies and like avoid all these criminals and anything. As long as I got my dogs, I feel safe. It's like this bubble of protection is with me and they feel the exact same way. So if I go out of town, they're freaking out and they're like waiting in the garage and like crying. And as soon as I get home, they're freaking out and so happy. And then we just go chill out together and then everybody's just calm and at peace. Right. So we kind of need each other.
0: Dude, that is awesome. I mean, I have a dog myself and it's like they can sense when something's going on, dude. If I'm having a bad day, like he he can he can sense that, dude. But I, I totally agree with you. You're at peace. I'm at peace, dude, when I'm chilling with him. He, he's a chill dude, and I love how they just chill in the room with you. I think that's cool.
1: And they're not passed out right now. <laughs> the
0: the very last thing I wanted to hit you with, dude, before we wrap up, and I, I hit this again with everybody. I mean, Ruben Greth is living the perfect life, bro.
1: Not even close, dude.
0: What does it look like, though, in, in your mind, dude, if it's if it's five years from now, if it's 10 years from now, if it's 50 years from now, dude, what, what is that perfect life to you? I'm curious.
1: So, th- I mean, a lot of travel would be really great. It's kind of challenging when you got four dogs, you can't jump on a plane and take them with you to you know Croatia or wherever it is that you want to go. But for, for me, you know, like I actually had a little bit of what I considered or at least thought was the perfect life. Because When I moved down to Playa del Carmen for that one year, I was literally living in paradise with those white sand beaches on one side and then the cenotes and under, underwater cave diving on the other side. And like I had tacos all over the place and rent was extremely cheap. You know, beer was extremely cheap. Everything was very just perfect. And what I realized is that if I don't have the ability to contribute something, it's really not as perfect. Like location is great, but if you're not doing something to impact the world, you start to losing that fulfillment. Even if you're attracting certain things to your life and enjoying it, like there's difference between pleasure and fulfillment. And I I was experiencing pleasure in this great, amazing place, but I was not contributing to the world. And it felt really unfulfilling. So eventually I came back here so that I could take myself on. And now what I would consider a perfect life is your progression towards a worthy ideal, whatever your goals are, as long as you're working towards them. And, you know, obviously having some level of contribution, whatever that looks like for you, that kind of is the fulfilling and perfect life.
0: Dude. The difference between pleasure and fulfillment so powerful. That is that is awesome. That connection is incredible and so true. And I I felt that in my own life, dude. And it's so true. It's unreal. But dude, I had a blast today. I appreciate. I mean, all of the content that you've added is incredible. And and this was an awesome episode, dude. People who want to follow up with you, Ruben. I mean, what's the what are the best platforms? Obviously, we've mentioned your podcast multiple times. I mean, you're the host. Of the Capital Raiser show. I recommend everybody check it out. It's a great show. I've I've crushed over half the episodes. It's awesome. Wow. Do, but I, I'm curious, man. If people want to follow up with you, I mean best platforms to reach you on.
1: You know, check out the show website, capitalRazorShow.com. If you're interested in opportunities or just want to see what we're doing or want to learn from what we do in terms of marketing so that you can apply it in your own business, check out our business website at legacyacquisitions.com. Yeah. I'm not too active on Facebook, LinkedIn. I have at Capital Razor, but pretty much any social media, you can find me there and feel free. I mean, I, I list like my calendar link in multiple places. Feel free to jump on there or you know, just reach out to me in one of the social media platforms
0: dude awesome i appreciate you coming on today bro it was an that's awesome fun, dude. talk dude we we just had fun and chatted bro talking about everything man so i i appreciate you coming on dude i had a yeah, blast a today host. and <laughs> thanks bro i hey i again i've i've crushed over half the episodes dude i've listened to a, a phenomenal host numerous times so that's what's gotten us to hear dude but i appreciate it bro and and thank you again for coming on dude i i can't thank you enough
1: yeah man thank you peace and strength my friend
0: Hey, thanks again for listening to the Wealth Science Podcast. Take some time to subscribe and leave us a review. It really is the basis that helps us continue to bring on amazing guests each week. We have another incredible story to share next week, and I'm certain it's going to add value to this community. Please do not hesitate to reach out if there's anything I can do to help you in your journey of attaining financial freedom. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.